welcome to Just Ask, the podcast of The Hive Collective, a digital health platform built to empower women to make educated and informed decisions about their health. I'm your co-host, Dr. Heather Quayle, a leading women's and gender-related nurse practitioner. We provide answers to the questions you may not know how to ask by interviewing experts in nursing, medicine, sexual health, and wellness. We started in 2020 with myself and colleague, Dr. Tara Thompson, pharmacist, and now welcome our co-host and leading women's health expert and nurse practitioner, Jackie Piasta. This is a safe space where no question is off limits, and we advocate and encourage listeners to just ask their most intimate questions and to break down the barriers of embarrassment and taboo. I'm Jackie Piasta, your other co-host and fellow Queen Bee of the Hive. Each month, we bring on a new guest that is an expert and healthcare innovator in their respective field. As the healthcare landscape rapidly evolves, we are excited to be on the cutting edge and have decided to evolve the podcast into the Hive Collective, a space that seeks to equip you to better navigate your health journey. To learn more about our new and exciting platform, check out our mission, vision, values, and initiatives as we discuss our rebrand in Season 4, Episode 1. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're excited you're here and hope you enjoy our show. Good morning. Welcome to Just Ask. I am so excited to be here. I have probably my absolute favorite human on the entire planet today, and I just feel so lucky and so blessed. She is my closest, dearest, bestest, bestest, bestest friend in the entire world, and she's the sister that I got to choose. So we've grown up together. Our moms are the bestest of friends, and we kind of got into this craziness of life. I, I a lot of times call her my why. She's my why I went into the world of sexual medicine, my why on why I wanted to become entrepreneurial. I look up to her. I adore her. I love her. I could just go on and on. So I am so, so excited to have Dr. Courtney Raspin. I'm going to read you her bio, and then we are going to just jump in and talk today quite a bit around body image and um, sexual dysfunction and sexual health. Courtney's the founder of Altum Health. She began her practice in 2005 in response to the demand for qualified and experienced private clinicians who specialize in eating disorders. Among her clients and colleagues, she has established a reputation for combining sound psychological techniques with creativity, humor, and a direct approach that inspires her clients to wellness. Courtney is a chartered psychologist and associate fellow of the British Psychological Society and is, a re- and is registered with the Health and Care Profession Council. She is a member of the Counseling Psychology Division of the BPS and as well as the Clinical Psychology Division's Faculty of Eating Disorders. She's a member and an active supporter of the Eating Disorders Association and regularly contributes to the press on matters relating to eating disorders, obesity, body and body image problems. In addition to her roles at Altum, she lectures in counseling psychology doctoral programs at City University. She was born and raised in Los Angeles, California, the daughter of a psychologist and a physician who grew up with a keen interest in both mental and psych physical health. She initially considered studied medicine, but her first psychology course at the university sparked a passion, and then she went on from there to receive her BA, her master's in psychology from Southern Methodist, and then moved to London, where she received her PhD while working in the um, NHS for Eating Disorders Service. 
Her PhD work focused on families and women with eating disorders over the last 20 years. At Counseling Psychologist, Courtney is trained and broad-based as an, as an ISST accredited advanced schema therapist and a supervisor. She enjoys working with, all pers with everyone from different perspectives. She's not, however, protocol-driven and integrates other approaches to create a tailored treatment plan. She strongly believes that the therapeutic model comes second in the process and that the relationship between the therapist and their clients is most important factor in fostering change. She's committed to continuing professional development and continues to train and receive specialist case supervision to broaden her clinical skills. She's completed training in acceptance and commitment therapy, ACT, compassion-focused therapy, mindfulness, hypnotherapy, meditation-based therapy, and EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And on a personal note, she's married to an amazing man for 22 years, has the most beautiful children ever, 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 <laughs> and an adorable little cockapoo who I need to come visit because that's part of the family I still haven't met. So without mm. further ado, I welcome you, my bestest friend and sister in the entire world. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> I hope that I can live up to all of that. But what I, can I say, Heather, that I feel exactly the same way about you. And you know that we are just, we are connected always and forever. And yep. um, I love you so much. And I just, it seems as we get older, our paths just cross collide more. more. <laughs> they collide more professionally. Yes. And um, it's such an honor to be here and talking with you about body image and uh, sexual health, about body image and sexual dysfunction and about intimacy. It's, it's just fantastic. It really is. And when Tara and I started this podcast, I, the first thing I said is I need to get my best friend on here. I know she's in London and our view and our listeners will be like, well, why London? But I think when they understand all of my why and who you are, they're just going to be like, okay, can she just do some consults here in America just because of the way she thinks and Aww. does. So let's kind of dive in a little bit. I want to just dive really in immediately and talk mm -hmm. a little bit about the relationship between body image and sexual dysfunction. I spend a lot of my time quoting some of my friends that we always say all bodies are good bodies, um, but a lot of people don't think that way. So let, let's talk about just mindset and what goes on in people's heads around why there's so much issues around this. <laughs> well, I think it's very difficult to live in the society we do and not have hangups about one's body. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can wax and wane lyrical about kind of the diet mentality, about the um, idealized shape for both men and women today. Um, and one only needs to kind of go onto social media and see the images that are being portrayed yes. to feel as if one is not good enough, because what you're not seeing are normal bodies. What you're not seeing um, are normal representations of sex and sexuality. And so for a sp specifically a young person who has grown up in, in this type of environment where the screens have been in front of them all of the time, there's exactly. this constant comparison. And so it's, it's almost normalized in our society to not feel good about your body. I think if you're the woman that comes in and says, eh, I look good. You know, I'm happy with my body. And Other, how often do we hear that as women? Well, that's that just it. That. And, that's... and men increasingly so. I don't Absolutely. want to exclude the men from this discussion because I think men increasingly so that you almost look at that person and say, what's wrong with you? You feel good about yourself. 
And that's a really sad state of affairs. It is. That's where Very we are. So. so given that, and also that we know that when you have a negative self-body image, it really does interfere with your ability to connect intimately and with your sexual life. Absolutely. So here we are. <laughs> yes, it really does. Because you'll hear women say, oh, I can only have sex in the dark, or I don't want him to see me naked, and all the all the horrible things that come around it. And of course, I, like you said, I'm not going to disclude men in it, because I'm sure that there definitely exists that as well, too. Mm, absolutely. And you know, being limited, sex is an area where the best sex, I believe, is sex where there is play and spontaneity and a freedom to explore. Exactly. Yeah. And when you feel like there are limitations on what you're able to do in the bedroom, you know, the lights need to be out, or I need to be wearing a top, or you know, I need to be under the covers, um, you, know, you start limiting that ability to be spontaneous and to play because in a way you know when you look at the curiosity of a child in the sandpit or out and playing about as adults you know the bedroom it doesn't even have to be the bedroom but i'm just saying the bedroom becomes that playground and when all of a sudden there are rules and regulations it limits you so much so that you be, get too caught up in your mind exactly and, and we know that obsessions and ruminations, people that tend to obsess and ruminate and who are perfectionists, they have lower libidos and they their sex lives are more inhibited because they just can't get into the body. Yep, like, like we say all day long, it's a biopsychosocial approach. You can't just take that image around sexual satisfaction, desire without thinking of it, mind, body, soul, and physical parts too. So it's unnerving to me when people go in and say like, I'm hurting. Oh, just drink some wine. You'll be fine. You know, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big soapbox of mine. So in a lot of the patients that you see, um, and I'm sure this concern comes up, I want to kind of talk about some of these things that people can do to maybe kind of correct the mind a little bit and where, where we're, why we have this disconnect and how to, how to, kind of work through some of it mm, very very we could go question. we can go on and on probably for a 10-hour thing on this because that's your whole world with multiple sessions but just that top layer to start okay so 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 how people can start to improve their body image mm -hmm. to hopefully end up having better sex <laughs> The end of the day come on that's all my podcast is our podcast it's all about, about better how to sex. Get back to the sex it's gonna bring it back to the sex well you know what i am with you on that look um it's tricky i think first of all people need to pay attention to the way they talk to themselves exactly you know, so we, we run around with this internal critical voice all of the time that's telling us things about ourselves. It tells us things about our work. It tells us things about our families. And it tells us things about our bodies. And these are messages that have just become automatic. And what I challenge people to do is, is start to keep a little journal or a log on what are the messages you're telling yourself about your body, about your appearance, about your weight, about your own capacity for pleasure, mm -hmm. about whether or not you deserve pleasure, what it means to lose control, 
because you know sex and that's an issue for ocd perfectionists without oh my goodness well and you can imagine in working with eating disorders you know there's the perfectionistic over controllers the main way of coping so restraint you know emotionally psychologically also in the body you're going to see a lot more sexual dysfunction yes yeah it all goes hand in hand it all goes hand in hand and so what i would say is you know pay attention to the way you talk to yourself and think you know is this a way that i would speak to my best friend is this the way that i would speak you know would i talk to my daughter or my son like this Mm -hmm. it's about developing a more compassionate voice and at the end of the day i always like to say to people look you know you've got a partner with whom you have an opportunity for great joy and connection and by allowing this bully this critical voice to get in the way you are robbing yourself of your god-given right to pleasure exactly (laughs) exactly So I encourage them to get angry with this part of themselves and say, no, wait, hold up. Just step back. I am not letting you take away my mojo. I am not letting you take away my joy. That voice comes in and says, oh, you're too this or you're too that. I mean, my husband would kill me if I, but he's going to kill me. So (laughs) I remember, I think it was, I think it was in the first lockdown you know, I, I keep looking. It. Okay. Let me make sure he's not coming in. I know. <laughs> Luckily he's not on Facebook or on social media. So, you know, he'll never know. But I gained a bit of weight in the first lockdown, as most of us did. And, you know, I've got my little Laverne and Shirley, as I call them, my two little rolls in my tummy, <laughs> Laverne and Shirley. And um, I remember I was in the bedroom with my husband and I was on top and we are of the grand terre of what one might say. And he grabs onto Laverne. <laughs> and you're like, and, oh my gosh. Well, that's just it. He was having a great time. <laughs> and, and of course you're he in your He was just head. looking for leverage, I think, you know? <laughs> and I look down. <laughs> and there is this part of you. Yes. And I'm an eating disorder specialist and I'm fairly comfortable in my body, but I come with my own hangups too, being a woman in the society that we do. And Heather, you know my history yep. and our upbringing yep. together. Yep. yep. And yep. for yep. a yep. moment, you, you cannot grow up in Los Angeles, California no. and not be messed up. No, no, you cannot. And for a moment, I lost my groove. <laughs> You're like, dang it. And I almost wanted to look at him and say, what are you doing? But you know, but he didn't probably care. It didn't dawn on him. He's happy. He's in the mood. That's a typical man. And that is typical us getting lost in our own heads. In our own heads. And I think that is, you know, it's a very intimate example, but I think it's a very real example of where your own hangups and misconceptions can stop you from your right to your own sexual pleasure. Absolutely. And I, and I just, I love that you were just so disclosing right there. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's part of what I love most about her. I, like I said, all uh, full self-disclosure, Courtney had to put my first tampon in for me. I did. So. I did. Yeah, yeah, she was struggling. Right there. I was, I was, yeah, she was struggling. That's how was very close. Outside the bathroom going, just push it up further. Like, I can't <laughs> do it. Come help me, please. Many, yes, that's, that's kind of, 
Yes, like I said, she's my everyone, everyone needs that that friend. Everyone needs a friend like that. So if you don't have one, go find one. A friend like, that'll well, put your tampon in. But yes. I think that's also, you know, having close female friendships, it's I think huge. is so key to learning to love your own body. I think, because you, you need that reflected back to you. I think as a woman, I need that reflected back to me by other women. I think we, you know, um, I am a, you know, I'm a straight woman, you know, um, so I'm talking about my relationship with men, but I think so oftentimes I looked for that from men about, am I, a, is my body good enough? Right. But actually it's about, those close female friendships whereby you you see other real women's bodies and i know. think it helps, it helps to normalize things I, I i talk about that quite a bit with my patients it's like you're not alone and they'll always say oh i talk to my girlfriends like they're not having sex 10 times a week either and you mm -hmm. just want to hear i haven't had sex in six weeks you want to hear that from somebody to be mm -hmm. like i'm not this zebra that's out there Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I wanted to kind of, um, I guess, for our listeners who may have children um, and the next generation that we're that we're raising to, you know, lead our countries and to have these social media accounts and be comfortable with their bodies. I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit in terms of I saw something that a mother was writing about her child, her daughter, her daughter was trying on some ski pants and they didn't fit her thighs and her legs and her hips. And the daughter said, my legs are too powerful for these pants. Mm -hmm. And it was such a eye-opening experience for me to hear a little girl say that versus I'm fat. I don't like my body. You know, it was such, it was more of like a, I'm too awesome for these pants. It's empowering. That's so amazing. empowering. So what, how important Courtney is it for us and our listeners and the parents out there or the guardians out there to go about that next generation of, are, are they watching us? Are they, obviously they're watching us. Are they listening to us? What are they, what are we needing to say to them? I think a hundred percent they're watching us. And we are far more powerful than any sort of social media can ever be as their mothers, guardians, parents. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing that you can do as somebody who's responsible for a young person and wanting to ensure that they develop a healthy sense of self and body image is to look at the way you treat your own body. How do you walk around the house what do you say to yourself around food and eating? What do you say about your, you know, your juicy thighs? <laughs> you know, what do you say about that part of your body that maybe you've always had an issue with? Yes. Yeah. Particularly that part. Yes. Be careful. I remember you telling me a little story about Scarly and yeah, 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 yeah. New bottom. And I think about that story all the time when yeah. I think about raising strong women. Absolutely. You know, because your children will soak that up. And that's such a beautiful story, Tara. Uh, you know, that my thighs are too, which are too strong for these trousers. Yes. You know, may every little girl feel that way. That would be amazing. So, imagine yes, watch. The, imagine the 
future of our society if everyone thought that way versus, you know, how we're thinking, how we see yes. now in the media. I think there's hope though, because now I, if, if I go on my Instagram feed, there are, there are people that I tend to follow that do a lot around body image and do a lot around normalizing things. I mean, obviously I'm a sex med provider, so you wouldn't imagine some of the stuff I see, but getting out a mirror, looking at your female parts, looking at your male parts, looking at parts that may not look completely male or female and loving them and understanding them. Um, and there's a lot around that movement. I think we're getting there slowly but surely. And I think in that way, social media has been a good thing. Absolutely. I think, you know, again, be careful who you follow. Make yeah. sure you're, you know, you're following people who make you feel good about your body, about your individuality as a human being. Um, you know, one thing I often tell uh, people to do when they're struggling with their body image is, uh, and you can't really do that now because we're in the midst of a pandemic, is like, go to your local gym. And okay, don't stare at other people because you might get kicked out, but kind of stare at other people. <laughs> you know, look, no two breasts sets of breasts look the same. Some of them point in, some of them point out. One points up, one points down. They're all beautiful breasts. They all have sensations of different types. And it's the tr the same is true for our, our, our vulva and the same is true for our legs and our toes, everything. And, you know, it's very easy to get caught up in this idea that there's one way that things should look and feel. Yes. And, and, and so I, you know, go to the museums look at the images of the bodies yes. um it can vary you know it, it can make you just feel like i'm okay yep there's nothing wrong with me i'm a human being in this world with pleasure and sensation and a body it's my body yep and like i said all bodies are good bodies and I think um, you brought something up, like you said, go to the museum, go to the library. There's a wonderful resource that um, people can look at online. It's called the Volva Library. It mm -hmm. shows all different shapes and sizes. It may actually be out of the UK now that I think about it. There's the beautiful cervix project where mm -hmm. you can kind of go in and they have speculums in there and you can see all the way your um, insides work. And I think that that's great. And like you said, no breasts are alike and one, even our own, either one's mm -hmm. going to be lower than the other or one may be bigger than the other and that's okay we're all Picasso paintings if you if you want to <laughs> get technical about it absolutely absolutely and you know um I think one thing that we haven't really touched on um is eating disorders a bit um, because that is what I specialize in and you know the amount of sexual dysfunction that I see that comes along with eating disorders and it's made me really um talk a lot with my clients uh, about the similarities between our our appetites for food and our appetites for sex yes. because both of them are basic human needs aren't they yes. and if you start to use food as a way of controlling your basic human needs or then you can see that there is a very clear read across into how that might affect your appetite for sex. Yes. Um, if you're somebody who is, you know, restraining and holding back the ability to receive intimacy and that type of nourishment is also inhibited. So I think it's really interesting to think about our appetites. You know, what am I, am I allowed to be hungry? Am I allowed to take up space? Am I allowed to experience pleasure, pleasure in food? 
Does that mean that I'm selfish? Does that mean that I'm greedy? If I, you know, women with higher sex drives, am I, am I greedy? Do I take up too much space? I think these are all really important questions to consider and also relate to, to, to one's body image. Exactly. There was a study that was recently put out. I need to dive into it a little bit more. Um, you speak a lot around control and control is an issue for people that have eating disorders. It's an issue for people that have sexual pain, actually. But this mm -hmm. study looked at sexual pain and using BDSM, actually, as mm -hmm. a means of um, sexual intimacy with partner so that they actually because when we think about it and part of why I love just ask is it's a lot of our breaking down taboos and mm -hmm. so I try to throw these quirky things in there where people are like what the heck is she on BDSM now what does this have to do with it but BDSM is actually an incredibly controlled environment yeah and um I don't know if you speak about it much with your eating disorders but I see such a collide of that when it helps people that have sexual type of pain. Um, it's been very successful. You know, I didn't know that, but I am fascinated now. And my mind is going like a million miles an hour thinking this is great. I love this. I it's we just making these connections paper because we might society in the world is a very international society. Um, and so it is. This may be where we get to do our work together. It may mean that you and I um, get to go visit a dungeon together or something kind of fun. I'd be up for a dungeon visit with you, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to plan outfits. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to go there, though, and just be a voyeur and watch it all. So I, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but it, but I, I, I did listen to a lecture on that just recently, and mm -hmm. I and it was getting me to think about some of the conversation that you and I were going to have. And I was like, man, this could be a very interesting thing if you could get your patients to buy off on the negative taboos that have come behind BDSM. Well, I think you, you certainly could, especially if you're looking at the construct of control, because you know, it was interesting. I was speaking to a client the other day who um, has been, uh, she's what we call kind of severe and enduring anorexia nervosa for over 10 years, and she's in her 30s. And she's, you know, now starting to experiment with foods that she really enjoys. And she's been talking a lot about her sexuality as well. Good. And, you know, she was talking about how uh, somebody had brought over a cheese board and she'd allowed herself, allowed herself to really have like a big chunk of blue cheese with the chutney and the this and that. And she said, there was a moment where it felt so amazing. And I was just getting lost in the pleasure. And then I got frightened about letting go mm -hmm. and the pleasure was gone. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking about sex the whole time when I, when she was talking about this, the read across to allowing yourself to go to those places where you trust your body to just let go and then holding back because it doesn't feel safe. Yes. I think, again, I think there's such a huge correlation in the work that we both do and that yeah. we need to combine forces and come up with a paper of some sort. Wonderful. <laughs> I know. I, and tell me if I'm wrong on this. I think you have a body image worksheet. Sometimes I think I've pulled it down before for people to look at. Is that still on your links? And how It is. You if you go to our website, which is Ultim Health, 
www.ghostbook.co.uk. Um, there should be a pop-up window, actually. There should also be a place for some downloads, and there's a body image worksheet. And um, it's also accessible from um, where I am on Instagram, which is at Dr. Courtney Raspin. If you go to the, the links in the bio, um, there's a there's a link to download that as well. And it's something that we put together for people of um, all shapes, all weights. And it allows you to not only kind of track your, you know, the history, the development of your own body image about, you know, what was your body image like between the ages of zero to five? How did you feel about it? Five to 12, 12 to 17. When did your body image start to shift and why? And it gives you really practical tools and techniques to start improving your body image right away. And you can work through it on your own, or you can work through it with a therapist, counselor, um, yeah. professional as well. I think it's such a good resource, but I think it's a very basic way people can start if they're not comfortable actually starting in therapy. And I, I, I was really pleased with what was out there. Um, um, I want to spend the last little bit just kind of talking about, you brought up, a you brought up what was your body image like in those younger years? Mm -hmm. How impactful is that parenting on, on developing us as people and what parents think and what parents say, or mm -hmm. if, if you don't have a parent, a guardian, I think yeah. about my traffic children all the time in my yeah. center and kind of where really messed up body image comes from. Yeah. You know, I think it starts way before we even can begin talking to our children. I think it's in the way we respond to their needs, how we touch them, how we touch their bodies as babies. Um, you know, I think if we've been raised with a lot of shame or abuse, we might be frightened to touch our children, to, you know, give them a little tap on the bottom or, you know, rub them a certain way because it may be very activating. And actually, it's really important to just normalize bodies by, by modeling that by saying every part of you is, you know, is, is okay. There is nothing shameful about any part. You don't need to say it. You need to show it in, in a way. Um, and so I think it starts very early on with the way that we model and we reflect back to our children and the way we touch our own children, actual physical touch. Because if we avoid their bodies, then they will notice that on an unconscious level, yes. even though you haven't said anything, yeah? With regards to the way we speak to them, um, goodness, look, it's a minefield. I think it's hard to get it right as a parent. <laughs> job there is. And oh, the my goodness. I'm, I'm, I'm already putting money into the therapy fund for both of mine. <laughs> because you're carrying around your own trauma mm -hmm. and you're carrying around your own shame. And you're constantly have, you know, and what I always say is press the pause button before you respond. And, you know, of course, there's all of this stuff about let's not make the body the central part of what makes a person beautiful. Make sure you, you know, you you give your children a sense of intrinsic value for who they are and, you know, that they are beautiful people, that they're kind, that they're funny, that they're smart, that they're flawed and that's okay. Yes. Because then no matter what happens to their body and remember things happen to our bodies, we lose limbs. Yes. You know, we get burned. Yes. We get paralyzed down one side of our, these things happen. We don't think they're going to happen to you, but they do. We just have aging, you know, just basic, basic. No, we don't have there. There's no aging. No, <laughs> basic aging changes your body image and yeah. that's okay. 
Well, and when that happens, what is left? Who are you? Mm -hmm. Who are you? Because if you don't feel like that is worth making love to, then your ability to enjoy your body is very limited. (laughs) And you, we want sexuality to be something that you can enjoy, not only when, you know, the, the bloom is on the rose, so to speak, but well in to later life because you can, and it's wonderful, but you have to feel sexy and feeling sexy isn't only about what the body looks like. So, so you're talking about parenting. Um, I think it's quite important there, but also, as I said, the, the way that you talk about your own body mm-hmm. is so important. And the way you talk about your children's bodies, whatever that mother did, Tara, about saying, you know, my thighs are too strong. That was something that, that you know, those guardians, those learned. parents said and did. comment, but that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Or just, I mean, even if the, even if the parent was standing in front of the mirror one day and said, man, I look good. And yeah. the daughter's st- standing over there listening. And then she's just thinking like, man, I look good. You know, I, I don't know. I can, so many scenarios. I'm just like, this is such a teaching moment for so many people. Absolutely. Myself. I mean, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and what I always say is even if you, even there's a part of you that doubts it, do it for the benefit of your children. It's our responsibility to help change the next generation of, of little boys and little girls so that they aren't inhibited, that they don't carry around the same shame and trauma that we, that we might. Right. It'll be a different shame and trauma, sadly, because it's just how our world is, but hopefully it's better around, around this for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You talked a little bit about just the control issues with the anorexia and the body image and the sexual dysfunction. I think it would be unfair to not mention a little bit about bulimia for our listeners. So how Mm -hmm. does that kind of play um, into all this? Is it very much the same? Is it a lot of control for them? How does that eating disorder maybe look a little bit different? Well, I think it'd be very unfair not to include other eating disorders because as we know, binge eating disorder and bulimia are far more prevalent than anorexia nervosa. And that uh, we've just had eating disorders awareness week here in the UK where, um, you know, one of the taglines was one in 50 because one in 50 people will experience a binge eating disorder at some time in their life, one in 50. So this is not something that is just uncommon. This is, you know, very, common. very, very common. And I think there is the issue of control as well, because usually binge eating and not for everybody there, you know, it begins with restricting. It begins with feeling like you're not allowed to have something. And then there's, you know, people can't hold on to that level of restriction because it's not natural. And then they let go. Yeah. Then they let go and they binge and they think I have no control. But actually, they have too much control. Behavior, to be honest with you, yeah, or sexual addiction and things of that. It's it's very interesting how they again our worlds collide. Absolutely, and also you know remember what you tend to see, and this is a broad stroke straight statement in in clients who are struggling with bulimia or anorexia, uh, bulimia or binge eating disorder, um, what we call what we would consider in psychology the kind of more impulsive disorders, is uh, perhaps having a lot more sex or having difficulties uh, on that end, the compulsion, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, using sex as a way of self-soothing, which it is a fantastic way to self-soothe and escape painful emotion. 
exactly. Yeah. And while sex is a wonderful way to do that, Lord knows that's why I started masturbating, you know, it's a great <laughs> self-soothing mechanism. It can't be the only way you know how to regulate your feelings. Right. Because then it turns in. It's wonderfully self-soothing. It's fantastic. I, I always, I don't like the word comfort eating because comfort eating is normal. Yes. Yeah. Food is comforting. It's when it becomes excessive and unilateral and the only way and frequent and excessive that it becomes a problem. Yes. And I think it's the same for sex. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think, again, it just goes so hand in hand and mm -hmm. And I think our society has caused a lot of problems on this. You know, it gets back to my soapbox of sex ed 101. We need sex ed 101 for adults. Let's, we do. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> I, I Like, again, I think it really starts in our younger years and the way that you are developed and the way that you talk to your children or the way you talk to younger people if you don't have children, but interact with them is, is, a, is a big deal. Absolutely. And it's not only parents, it's grandparents. You know, those messages get passed down. And I think there's a lot to be said for, and this goes beyond the scope of this discussion, but for religion. Oh, yes. As well. Absolutely. And, and the messages that are given around sex and sexuality and what that means to express that side of yourself. Oh, yes. I, that's a topic I think that Tara and I will be diving into on our podcast. We haven't done the religion topic, but... There's so much taboo. I mean, like religion, for better, for worse, has caused a lot of problems in the sexual arena. Yeah, there's a lot of shame. You know, there's a lot yeah. of shame. And when one feels ashamed, one retreats because one wants to avoid humiliation and one wants to avoid punishment. So, you know, it's it's a way of protecting oneself is to retreat into shame, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, honestly, I could spend hours, as you know, talking to you. I just find all of it to be so fascinating. Um, but I like to give everyone just little tidbits of sure. amazing humans in our lives and who come on our <laughs> podcast that we're so grateful for. How do people find you? Again, I know you're in London, but I know you've sparked probably a lot of people's like, oh my gosh, I really need to listen to this. I mean, you're just beyond that, just with your body image worksheet. So I want to know how people Aww. find you and follow you and yeah, yeah, well, I do. You know, look, I am based in London. Um, and as I said, you know, the, the, the clinic is Altum Health. Um, and we have a, -A website, right? A-L-T-U-M-Health.co.uk. And um, yeah, we specialize in eating disorders and body image difficulties, but we do general adult mental health as well and adolescents as well. Um, we've got dietitians on the team, psychiatrists on the team too. And um, also I, I try and keep a little bit of an Instagram profile going. You're really good with your, you know, you're really good with your Instagram. Oh, thank you, love. Thank you, love. <laughs> and, and that's at Dr. Courtney Raspin. Um, and you know, Facebook for Altum Health London. And so, um, yeah, we're really easy to find. And of course, I'm happy to, to answer any questions that people might have. Um, yes, yeah, I'm very passionate. Have some really, really good videos too on your Instagram that people can go back and look at. She did a lot around COVID. So we're obviously mm -hmm. still in this crunch. So I, I think those videos are very helpful for people that, especially when they have these kind of issues, whether it's 
anorexia, bulimia, sexual aversion, sexual deviant, all of that. Mm -hmm. When you're in a pandemic and you're on a lockdown, I mean, like that just makes everything 10 times worse. Oh my gosh. We we all regress to familiar coping strategies when we're under stress. So it's totally normal that whatever you were struggling with before, it's going to come back in a bit, you know, cut yourself some slack. Yes. So, yeah, so she has some great videos out there um, for coping, and your videos are very, very helpful. Thanks, Heb. Thanks, Heb. (laughs) Well, I cannot thank you enough for being with us. Um, This is just awesome. I think I've now figured out what kind of paper you and I are going to be writing. I've said forever and ever that you and I will have our paths collide and we'll get our our work out there, and I may have just figured that out on this podcast. Well, you know what? That's amazing. And it's been such, you know, really so it's so easy to talk to you. And I'd love to come back. I'm inviting myself back already. I'm inviting myself back. It'll be about our work we publish. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Courtney. I'll let you carry us out. (laughs) Absolutely, Courtney. This has been so amazing. I know that our listeners, they always walk away with something but I feel like they today have walked away with so many pearls, but also just a different way of looking at themselves or just looking at others, looking at life. So we thank you so much for being here. Um, you are a breath of fresh air for our podcast. Um, it's always amazing to have these types of talks and topics. The whole point, the whole reason we made this podcast was so that people could ask those types of questions and just be thinking about, you know, internal things that they might not be able to say out loud. Um, But we want to encourage them to ask and talk about them and seek help and seek, know that they're not alone and know that we're out here advocating for them. So we thank you, Courtney. Um, You are amazing. Heather, you did not, Heather was spot on when she was describing you. You did not disappoint, but not that you would, but you're amazing. So thank you so much again. And thank you, Heather, as always, my partner in crime over there, just trucking along. So thank you all. Um, We will see you next time. And without further ado, Heather, do you have anything? I don't. I just follow my friend. She's pretty damn amazing. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Lots of love. Yeah. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Just Ask podcast. And thank you for our amazing panelists today and every day. Feel free to contact us publicly or privately with your questions and thoughts. We do not provide medical advice, but we can point you in the right direction and provide resources. You can learn more about the topics we've discussed in this episode by viewing the show notes for this podcast and following us at Just Ask ATL on Facebook and Instagram. Our podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. Please make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. If you found value in this discussion, please share this podcast with friends or leave a rating on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. We can't wait for you to join us for the next show.